Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. Coming to you from the always great when you're leaving Winchester building in the downtown metropolis area. Rob is writing shit down. I always write down the time that we start. Oh, very good. Because the job our producer is supposed to be doing. Yeah. So first off, uh, we have to apologize again. Again. For not having an episode to put online last week. It's been a heck of a summer. It's been a bad summer. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to know this for next summer. (laughs) I was very, very sick with the flu. And uh, I asked our producer, Uptown Mike, to fill in for me last week. And he said he was busy. And you know, how can someone be busy when they're supposed to be at that place anyways? He's got a funny <laughs> At busy. that time, producing the show. <laughs> it's like one of the worst hey, excuses ever. I got to try that at work. <laughs> no, so, I can't get this done. I'm busy. I mean, yeah. Let somebody actually try that at work and say, you know, could you uh, handle this department at 9 o'clock? No, uh, I'll be busy doing being someplace else. How can you be someplace you're supposed to be here? Like, I don't know. But We're, Uptown Mike is the king of doing very little. We'll be real busy filling out his paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Rob. That's me. Mr. Winchester also came back Shuggy. this week. Did he? No, you're not supposed to say that when I don't say it in the beginning. Oh, I thought it was a statement that was interesting. No, when you only shuggy when I when I actually introduce it. Oh, I'm not shuggy tonight. No, you're not. Ah, you know that. I want say, to be anyways, by the way, hey Rob, by the way, Mr. Winchester came back this week. He is the owner and manager of the Winchester building. Uh, and he immediately wanted to know why we would criticize his building on our show for not having air conditioning. <laughs> and I simply told him, because you don't have air conditioning in your building. <laughs> if, if we need to elaborate, it's because it makes it unusable. <laughs> and therefore, it ceases yeah. to be a building, but a big hot oven. Yeah, basically, we couldn't. We, yeah, I, told I want him, to make like, some cookies, which I do not. I could use your building. Said we had to cancel a taping and not put an episode online for the very first time on, like, not on purpose that week. And when I told him all this, he just left the room. So there you go. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> well, I guess when you defeat somebody with your, uh, your a war of words, they just leave. They just walk away like, uh, oh, I'm beaten. I can't say I'm beaten because then they'll know I'm beaten, even though we all know it. Sometimes uh, the less you speak, the better. <laughs> All right, no more beatings tonight. It just seems—it just seems like if you sum things up in like less than one sentence, yeah, you, everybody's listening. But does I keep going on and on? But then when you go a little bit on, everybody goes, "Oh, I wish you'd stop." <laughs> but why he won't. Doesn't, why doesn't this man stop? Because there's no one here to poke me with a cattle prod. <laughs> That's what Uptown Mike should be doing. He's like, "Quiet, Rob." so uh this week the non-sick week a very tired day today since rob got no sleep and i only got two hours sleep last night uh but we're gonna we're you know what we're troopers i don't cry rob i'm just uh my eyes are watering because uh it's an emotional show i know yeah it's the last one it's the it's the final episode in our series about the worst solo Beatle albums of the 1970s by each member as history has seen to place on these particular albums. And history can go get started. And then I can no longer have to say such a long (laughs) sentence to describe what we're doing. Next week's will be so much easier. Uh, And this last week of of the series, we review... Paul McCartney and Wings, actually, technically just Wings, but if I said Wings, you'd go, what? And I'd say, Paul McCartney, and then you'd go, oh, so I just... Yeah. They're called Wings. Wings. So uh, their late 1970 album, 71 album, there was my first 
sleep deprivation <laughs> mistake. And there'll be many more. Late 1971 album, Wildlife. And we will be getting to that in a moment. But first, Rob, it's time for... Odds and ends? No! Where's my producer? No, just kidding. Uh, uh, where's my producer? <laughs> uh, that, that seems to be an ongoing segment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's the producer? Oh, he didn't show up today. Oh, okay, I get it. Oh, I didn't start. Oh, Rob. Don't worry about it. Okay, are you keeping time? We are at uh, yeah. six minutes. Another in job the producer is supposed <laughs> to be doing that we have to do. I'll start it anyway. Oh, it's pretty easy. Uh, so, okay. So, where was I? Oh, oh yeah. Rob, no. the thing to this week oh, that yeah. we're doing. Actually, it's time for our segment, Gary's Book Club. Oh. Gary's got some books, and he's doing it in a club. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> doing what we won't elaborate. Uh, reading. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, this is where I talk about an important book in my youth that helped me immensely in my life of rock and roll music and today i'm going back to the late 70s when i bought this book to look at uh actually a book that coincides with our beatles series that we have been doing and that's the beatles an illustrated oh sorry off the mic the Beatles, an illustrated record. They can't see you. By Roy Carr and Tony Tyler. And this is a very famous book. Now, I'll tell you right now that uh, there's like three versions of this book. There's the 19, it was first released in 1975. It's an amazing book. And uh, then due to copyright. Uh, and then it was so popular it was re it was updated to 1978 and that's the that's the one i bought and then it was uh published again and i'm gonna say let's just say 1982 after john lennon died and uh that's pretty well it uh but so it was revised three times now the interesting thing is that there are three illustrated record books there's one by the rolling stones an illustrated yeah. record which i have also and i bought that was the first one i bought and it's like freaking huge and it's magnificent and i bought that first it's a monster and now oh nowadays it's all like there's not one single page i think that's tied to the binding because <laughs> mm -hmm. i after 40 years of going through it and it's it's the glue actually disintegrates it's just the dust. glue just disintegrated dust. into dust it really did <laughs> and that's an amazing book and then this is the kind of like the middle one i don't know which one came first but this is the middle one that i bought and there's a third one they made uh by roy carr and tony tyler which is um david Bowie, which i bought about 83 or 84 which is also indispensable i'm i'm telling you if you want to find out about these musicians and what they released maybe there's books that have been updated since 1983 i don't know <laughs> but these books are indispensable because not only did they not have books like this back then about artists but you know they give you all the cover art they they review in their opinion every album every single the b-side of every single um and then at the end they they kind of like give you you know sergeant peppers and then and then there's uh, i'm showing it to rob <laughs> you people can't see what you know they got a long essay on sergeant peppers and then at the end they'll say well what's the difference and then they do the whole they do the whole uh Spiel. solo discography right. reviewing everything from each member up until 1978 and that's immense and uh and then they also give the u.s editions what songs were on the U.S. editions, the American, sorry, the American and Canadian editions of the albums. The North American editions. Yes. Excluding Mexico and South America. And uh, it's really, and they even have at the very back, they even have like songs that other people have done or that they've guessed it on. Uh, it's uh, just 
just like when you're like 12 years old and you Boy, don't know nothing. That's so much better than just one record cover. <laughs> it's just so much better than a record cover. It kind of like I w I've always been saying here for the you know the last four or five shows really is that this this dict this helps you you know start where to buy and why to buy it. And now, it puts your discography in perspective because you can buy like an album here and an album there and you don't know uh, okay what year was this what year was that. Uh, oh exactly. And it was kind of very disorganized. Like rock and roll didn't really get its book act together, yeah. uh, and well into the '80s, I think. You know, so this book is just immense, and I, you know, I, I can't recommend it enough. Not only this book, but the Rolling Stones illustrated. Now, of course, the Rolling Stones, since that was published, also up until about 1976. There's only there's probably about 50 years after that, that they, of the, but really the important missed. years were pretty close to what they ended at. And the uh, years after that are a little better documented because uh, they were stars at the time. They were the stars. They were superstars. They were stars before that, but uh, they, once they were established stars, yeah, they couldn't get away from the press. And there you go. Now, there, there was some things that were misleading for me, obviously, as a kid. Because they're giving their views on solo albums, and that's kind of why I brought it in this week, is because we are doing the Beatles solo albums. And uh, their views really shaped me, because I don't, at that time, really know what's, what's hey, what's, what's the popular one, which is the terrible albums, which is the good albums. And it's nice that they give their point of view, but... For years and years, I thought this album's terrible, this album's good. One of the things I think I've seriously carried all these years is that they had a very middling review for All Things Must Pass. All Things Must Pass really? of all albums, yes. And so I have kind of carried that stigma of that it's always not as great as other people think. And I still think that affects my view on it. And you want to like catch up with these guys and then just punch them once and say, uh, why didn't you guys smarten up? I guess you don't. <sighs> uh, there are some great, some great quotes in this book. Because it's, they're done, you're like, it's British, right? So it's very snippy. <laughs> and, um, uh, I just, I, I just love like the uh, Paul McCartney Ram album is, uh, it, it was neither the Paul McCartney Ram. And this is funny because at the time, both Paul's first album, McCartney and his second album, Ram were not well received by critics and some of the public. And now they are regarded, uh, Paul's first album is regarded as an excellent album, and Ram is actually regarded by many people, including myself, to be a classic rock and roll album of all time. One of the classic rock and roll albums of all time. So it shows you that that when you release an album, even though it's the same music, if you release it at a time when maybe you're not popular, when maybe they expect something different from you, maybe they're hearing music differently at that time, and they could have a totally different perception of it, but it's the same music that you hear 20 <laughs> years later that they say is so near magnificent, which is what I think. I bought this album in the late 70s, and Ram, I'm talking about, from Paul McCartney. And I, I just thought from the beginning, this is a, an incredible album. I don't know what all the bitching about this album is all about. And I'm glad that actually everybody has kind of, come to their senses about this album after all these years because i i felt that way at the time but there was you know like it, it was neither as they say in the book it was neither good pop being too contrived <laughs> uh, nor good rock being too saccharine uh and and it was ready to wear music it, it's 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 this album is best listened to in a lounge with plastic ducks on the wall, <laughs> and it positively reeked of to of cozy uh, domestica, the kind of environment which stifles all creativity, which is 
hard to believe because if you listen to this album, the magnificence coming from it, from its vinyl or its CD, however you listen to it, just permeates to me. It's like, wow, this is so above what what people can accomplish. And it's like, they, I think this has a lot to do with Paul, Paul leaving the Beatles. And they were mad. People were still mad. They were oh, angry yeah. about yeah. that. Uh, Beatles I, shouldn't have ended. If the Beatles ends, anything could end. Yes. The one who comes off the worst, other than... Actually, Ringo comes off quite good in this, other than the, the ones that came uh, out. They weren't expecting that much from him, and then he went overachieved. Yeah, yeah, he, that's exactly <laughs> how they viewed his solo catalog. And, you know, and they he really, was the Beatles was held back all those years. Let, let Ringo go. And uh, but George comes off terrible. They just hated. They hated George's um, religious philosophies. Any time that he spoke, like anything that was religious, it was oh, this elevated is shit. <laughs> and it was totally. I mean, they had a point. If you don't like the religious stuff, I mean, there is some. There is some. Like here, living in the material world, which is again is considered an excellent album overall it says harrison has no comparable talent at all <laughs> oh my god and living in the material world can accordingly be dismissed because of that and that is harsh i think there are some critics who like to follow what they believe to be safe opinions and that's my opinion well they they just I don't agree with that because Living in the Material World was quite actually a critically popular album. But I think that they just had their thumb up the ass about the religious stuff. And then they just kind of started knocking everything, you know. <laughs> then I'm knocking everything about George. And to say that George Harrison has no talent whatsoever mm. Mm. is one of the most ludicrous statements I think I've ever heard. Because he has, as being the third, the third so-called talented Beatle, <laughs> that would that only makes him about the most talented man in probably ninety-eight <laughs> percent of the other bands yeah, in the world. Among all music in the twentieth century. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna bring up like we were talking. We reviewed uh, George's Dark Horse album. Uh, I this was so <laughs> okay. What can be said for for this album, George Harrison's Dark Horse album? For those who believe in ostentatious holiness, it no doubt has a congratulatory quality, <laughs> and musically the playing is impeccable. But the lyrics are in turn sanctimonious, repetitive, uh, uh. Vitriol and self-satisfied. It is a boring album. One wishes that it had not come from an ex-Beatle. <laughs> and I think me and Rob, since we just reviewed this album, can totally disagree <laughs> with almost. Plus, it's not really a religious album. There are like two religious songs, yeah. and all the other songs are personal songs about his life and his marriage disintegrating. So they, it, it, it's amazing. And I'm not saying like most of this. Perhaps if he had picked a more popular religion. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I agree. I think that there is some bigotry here. I think that there's bigotry because yeah. it's an Eastern philosophy and not a Christian uh, religion. And uh, I just, I, you know, I don't agree with a lot of stuff that's said. Obviously. But I love the snippiness because that's what's missing in music nowadays is a real bitchiness that we need. Like, this album is good if you like to take a shit on albums. <laughs> no one can offend anyone nowadays. It's against the rules. No, it's almost like you can't offend anyone. And, like, the biggest offense that you can have against somebody is by saying... Just not as good as the last album, which is just too darn bad. <laughs> <laughs> which is just boring. <laughs> so uh, I didn't need you to tell me that. I needed some uh, some really um, uh, angry words. Angry words. Real angry good. words. That'd be a good segment. Angry words. <laughs> angry words from Rob. Shoot! <laughs> oh darn it! <laughs> 
So that's our uh, segment on that. I really recommend uh, if you're a fan of the Beatles or uh, the Stones or David Bowie that you pick up the uh, an illustrated record, even though it only goes up almost all three volumes up to the early 80s. Uh, you can't get much better than that. But always take the reviews with a grain of salt, as we always say. Yeah, I imagine the rest of the stuff after that is well documented enough. Oh, I have no idea what time it is, Rob, since I didn't turn on my thing in time. We are at 20 minutes in. That's it? You oh, we're, gonna have, we're gonna have a quick show today. It's gonna be a quick show, because uh, we're tired. Oh. <laughs> but I do want to know, and I know that before we get on to uh, uh, the Wildlife album, what happened at work uh, this week? Oh, there was a plane crash into a building. The building fell over. Uh, I think uh, the police chief was killed in the explosion. Uh, people ran. They were screaming. Uh, there was falling debris, uh, panic. And uh, so we got uh, the uh, with the background. That was just so I could get a drink of water. <laughs> so the background. It was a costly drink of water, wasn't it? <laughs> the background. I mean, you could have said something actually about work <laughs> you know, I, I mean you could have done that instead of being what what our listeners term yeah but that jerk off. implies <laughs> that implies things actually happen there and they don't well then just say nothing happened what yeah, is, that's not long enough for you to have a drink oh yeah it's true come Listen, on you know i was, i got a job to do you can't, you can't dissuade <laughs> me from that job okay so uh again you know almost anything with the beatles is interesting that's which which makes talking about almost any of their albums interesting be they with the beatles or solo and uh as as i talked about you know paul released in 1970 the mccartney album and then left the beatles like the same date was released with his press conference type of memo that he sent to the record companies as a press release saying, you know, the Beatles weren't going to make any records in the near future at all. And I'm not working with them. And, uh, and then the, the reviews were mixed, uh, to, yeah, they were mixed mostly maybe dipping more to the negative side, which again is hard to believe. But then the Ram came out, album came out, and you know, again, hostile reviews. And then uh, Paul decided, I'm gonna, you know what, I want to be, I want to make a band. I want to have a band. Yeah. That's what I really want to do. And that's one of the things I like most about him in the '70s. Yeah, and I, I really, I really like that. He says, and I, and I want to play like small places, and which is what his idea for the Beatles was at the end. Like his idea was, uh to play these to to show up at these little universities which is a a great idea if you're paul mccartney solo yeah an absolutely ludicrous idea if you're the beatles to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> because first of all there's no way you can keep a secret like that there's no way and secondly the minute you show up the beatles people could get killed like seriously like <laughs> You could get like you go to a university and there's first of all hundred people and then all of a sudden they start running out of there and getting their friends and yeah this was and the then all of a sudden you have three thousand people there in a, in a hundred seat gymnasium and, and a lot of them are pretty freaky and a lot of them are freaky it's, it's not the end it's of not the, a wise sixties as so. John Lennon and I will quote him said that's a that's a daft idea my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, but he did have a good idea, just the wrong band. And so he got together very quickly. He got uh, Denny Sywell on drums, who played drums on his Ram album, and a very good drummer. And then he got uh, Denny Lane from the, the Moody Blues. How the heck did he meet Denny Lane? Were they just at the, just, at the club just one night? Through the, just, well, the Moody Blues and Denny Lane played in Ginger Baker's Air Force. So you just know people. You know uh, what I mean? You just know people in the London bar circuit so Danny Lane became the uh you know makeshift guitar player sometimes bass player utility guy for whatever Paul's playing if Paul's playing the keyboard he plays you know the bass if Paul's playing the bass he plays guitar 
until they got Henry McCulloch, who played lead guitar, but that didn't happen until the next album. And then you got Linda on keyboards. God love her. God bless her in heaven. <laughs> but you know, you know, not you know, she's not a professional musician. She didn't even want to no, do it. No, but you know, um, the, the one thing on this album, she didn't uh, overstretch, try to do too much. No. I admire Linda a lot. I admire Linda as a person from the many books that I have read about the Beatles and, and Paul McCartney and. I, I admire Linda so much as a person and uh and and so much as as knowing that she wasn't a musician, but Paul wanted her there, so she did her best, but she knew not to say, Look, I'm the keyboard player, look at me. It was very much I'm just here because Paul wants me, and yeah. I'm doing my best. Okay. Right, the keyboards on this album, all the parts were simple enough that, the, that I compared them to um, uh, songs that you sometimes write just as an exercise in, uh, you know, learning to do one thing, and then uh, learning to do another. And uh, it's not an important part of the album, but when she plays, it's it's very tasteful and it's very nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so this was the band, and and then Paul had the idea. Uh, to just go in and uh, let's uh, let's not really have any songs written. <laughs> <laughs> let's just kind of. That's my computer. By this the way. was a magical mystery tour uh, recording. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, he had this idea, which uh, turned out to be not the best one, <laughs> which was to go in and uh, see what they could come. He, he had probably ideas, but he didn't really. Uh, have a lot of concrete songs finished. Yeah, nothing was overdeveloped. It was not overdeveloped. He was very uh he was very influenced by Dylan and the basement tapes and you know, you go in and record and uh I hope the band knows, you know, the the way Dylan records, I hope the band knows what they're doing because I'm giving them like two takes. <laughs> you know, and it works for Dylan. Doesn't work for well Dylan is an exception to almost every rule. Like and his idea was, I want to, yeah, I'm really inspired by how Dylan does things. And so he said, you know, let's just go in there and let's just do it. Let's get that, let's get that energy that you get when you just turn on the recorders and play, you know. And there is, there is a freshness to it, to the album. There is, a, there's definitely, there's definitely not a polish to it. I'll tell you, that's <laughs> it's a very homegrown feel to it, a very... I would not going to say sloppy because it's not sloppy, no. but there's a very unfinished quality to most of the songs. Kind of like most of the songs are long and they're long because I don't think there's uh, things written. Not really developed. They were just yeah, they're not developed. Yeah. It's like, well, let's make this long and, uh, you know. And, let's oh, see what let's... we come up with in this three minutes. And okay, that was good. Let's do that. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, some things work very well and some things don't. One of the very telling things, this album, by the way, was released, when I say the late, I said at the beginning of the show, late 71, I mean really late, like December 7th, 71. So just, you know, just before Christmas, just before the new year of 1972. Now, not that that means anything, but, it, you know, he could have extended it into 1972 and took a little bit more time, but that was not, that was not his motive. Now, before we review the album, it got savaged. <laughs> as, as like, the strange thing is that of, of the four albums that we've done in this series, they haven't been, all of them have been, um, you know, what I mean by haven't, well, they haven't been like, oh, I didn't like this album. It's not a very good John Lennon album or, you know, it's just not up to par for George Harrison or anything. All of these albums, in typical 70s fashion, were slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> they there came out seemed with to be very few gray areas in, in the 70s. And, of course, this the 70s were the glory time for rock critics. And if you read... Oh, it's not the writing, like critics today. The writing is sometimes so funny that it's the funniest reading you could write because they're being 
they're putting it down and and like like I said when I read that when I was reading that you know from the book drama's going over the top it, it very over the top <laughs> but you can't help but laugh because it's hilarious Lester Bangs was like that he could you know he could criticize something and be vicious about it and you disagree and, and but you're laughing because wow what balls you know what I mean and then there's the other side where there's the review is so passionate about the album it's almost as good as the music the 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 writing is so passionate and so full of love for the album that it's even better maybe than some of the albums that they're praising uh that was the great thing about 70s criticism is is that they took a stand it was important. Yeah. It was important. I hate this album. Fuck you for making this album. <laughs> you insult my intelligence. You insult the intelligence of the audience. Blah blah blah. You, I love that. I love it you because thinking? anything that is passionate about the music that has changed my life and that is the most important thing to us and has been, I like like. I like it on both sides. I don't agree with what they say about albums sometimes, but I love that they're so passionate that they're pissed off or that they're so passionate yeah. that they're saying, there are very few things that I think are greater than this album. Maybe my wife, but that's about <laughs> it. That's how much I love this that's album. That's when you know there's a human being doing the fighting. <laughs> exactly. Now I, I look at this, and they could uh, just make a computer program and uh, switch some of the album names around and uh, it's all, tap it's out all, the same I thing. I so agree with you, Rob. It's almost like it's written by the same person. He just goes to some other different internet source and writes it. <laughs> yeah, nowadays, uh, I mean, a lot of people, they, they, they just go on the internet, and they, they don't so much report on the thing, but they report on the things said by other people it's a it's a low point for criticism and uh i mean and to be honest with you it has it has been since definitely since the social media era came around in 1995 and uh i would even well no because nirvana and the grunge movement gave a lot of passionate writing and so you're probably talking about yeah 1995 was when you could see it started to go downhill and then once 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 the millennium came forget it yeah there once was that just, generation uh, yeah. retired uh, there was no one to take over there's no uh, new guard so with with not very many ideas and paul wanting to do most things in one take you're going to get a lot of looseness <laughs> you're not going to get a lot of tight structures on this album you're going to get the feeling that it's homemade and yeah. that's not necessarily bad sometimes it is for the particular song but you know i have never i have heard this album since the early 80s and i listen to it quite a bit it's an album that i go back to because it's a fa again it's not a great album but it's fascinating you know it's just it's just fascinating because i love albums because they give you an exact time frame of that artist what you, yeah this was the experiment he was doing that year this was the exactly this it was, was an experiment it was experiment not, he was doing and you know what this was not a formula this was an experiment man you <laughs> paid a heavy price you can experiment now and people will still say that's great that he tried something different it's not as good as his last album but it's a it's it's a very brave attempt back then when you experimented and it maybe didn't go the way that you thought it did you knew that you were going to get sad and it hurts if you don't think it hurts to have somebody say that you're an idiot or that <laughs> your music stinks then you don't have blood running through your veins yeah, especially if you're uh, telling a whole bunch of other people that <laughs> we have had things in our band said about us even even cloaking it in in some niceness that hurts <laughs> and i could imagine somebody really letting go in a paper where everybody reads it like how, how would you like to have it in rolling stone where all, every musician and rock fan reads it and they're calling you names 
So every album you do, especially if you're a Paul McCartney or an ex-Beatle, is important. But the balls to say, even with all that on the line, I'm still going to do this experiment. <laughs> I'm still going to record these in one take. I'm still going to go in there with only half-baked ideas. This is because a... that's what I want to yep. do. That's what I want to do. And for that, I say balls to the wall to you, buddy. That's 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 great. In fact, Rolling Stone, I got Rolling Stone said on their review, deliberately second rate. Deliberately second rate. <laughs> that's pretty harsh. You don't think it sounds harsh, but then when you really think about it, it's like I really wanted to make this second rate music. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to take a step down from the, the usual stuff that people expect. Now I've I've uh I've I've read the review in Rolling Stone for this album, and trust me. There's much worse things that this album got trashed in Rolling Stone. Now, they also quote here from from the book I just mentioned, the Beatles and Illustrated record, where uh, uh, where they said it was rushed, defensive, badly timed, and overpublicized, which it all and and it showed Paul McCartney's songwriting at an absolute nador just when he needed a little respect so they're, they're saying that his songwriting is at his absolute worst <laughs> <laughs> he was doing so good for all those years <laughs> and uh that's what you came against especially being an ex-beetle whenever you're a big star yeah that's the they love to knock you they love um, to say your album's a masterpiece, but they also love to say your album isn't fit for their dog to shit on. <laughs> That's the expectation. <laughs> everything they have to do, everything they do has to be better than the previous thing. Yes, yes. And you can't do it better. Oh, that's yes. it. That's it. Uh, pull out the, the, the we're gonna hit you with a stick. <laughs> and a big one. <laughs> I got the biggest stick I can find. <laughs> so we're gonna get to the actual album now, uh, since we gave you the uh background of it and everything um i'm gonna i'm just gonna go it starts off with actually uh two of the worst songs and i've heard i've heard all of paul's albums i'm a huge mccartney fan huge fan he's right up there he is a total genius he can play every instrument he can write songs without giving a shit yeah. it still sounds yeah. good he is he can do it he, without trying he can do it without trying that to me to, is a yeah. man born with it's a genius so but to be even, deliberately seven second rate so it's hard so i want <laughs> i want to make this really bad because i just i just feel like making a bad album um the other this, guys get to do it even dylan said recently i think uh, i think maybe recently nowadays is like about seven years ago when they asked him is there anybody you look up to and he said it was paul mccartney because he just can't believe that he does all this stuff and he comes up with melodies like they're nothing. And he's for Bob Dylan to say, actually, I don't think Bob Dylan should actually have anybody below him, but he does. He actually thinks like, you know, Paul McCartney. And it surprised people. And I'm saying, why would that surprise you? Paul McCartney plays bass, which is not his chosen instrument. He wanted to play. He started playing guitar yeah, yeah. in the in the uh, Beatles before and then after Stuart Stu Sutcliffe. Left. And then after Stuart Sutcliffe left the band, nobody There's, wanted John didn't want to play and and George was too good at lead playing. guitar <laughs> to play bass. So he got pushed into bass and not only did he get pushed into an instrument he rarely played, he is actually probably and i told this because we did this last christmas of our people we would pick for our band a guy who didn't even want to play bass is the guy that i would pick to be my bass player because he's so melodic he actually thinks of songs inside yeah. of songs <laughs> he picks notes like no one else i know on the bass amazing and I, just, uh, uh, I think last year learned uh, i saw her standing there and uh, as much as it's kind of oh, simple 50s it's hard it's that hard. Is not some easy plan they actually <laughs> they actually took just the bass from that from i saw her standing there and played it to people they do that on youtube a lot well not a lot but they do that for for specific songs and the thing that he came up with something totally different melodically than the song which is what he does a lot and nobody even realized it i think until 
I don't know, way after the Beatles were broken up because he was just, you know, you just didn't do things like that back then. You didn't analyze things that much. No, and it was, there was a whole lot more emphasis on other things about the Beatles, like uh, the songs. Yeah, the there whole, was so much other going, stuff going on. The, the impact they had on the culture. And they were listening to this, and they were going, oh, my God. Have you ever just listened to the bass on what people think is such a simple <laughs> song? And I did listen to it just like you did, and I was going like, Wow. And this is a guy that's like, what, 20 years old at the time, uh, uh, 21 of I saw her standing there. And he, of course, got so much better. But he was all like, he is what I call like God giving him like unbelievable talent and then piling it on a little bit more on the top of the head. (laughs) Wings over America I was listening to and he is just so smooth. It's almost like he's not human. I want to point this out. (laughs) Uh, if you're a bass player, I get wings over America because Paul plays bass through almost that whole three. It's a, it used to be a three, three album set. Now it's a two disc set, I guess. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Um, and he plays bass through about eighty percent of the album. You know, he also plays a little bit of. He also plays a lot of piano, but his bass playing through this whole album <laughs> is stiflingly brilliant. <laughs> And it sounds so simple, and yet, as Rob will attest to, who's yeah. a bass player, it's incredibly complicated. How can he be singing and doing the rest of the song while he's playing this? And he has to sing. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I was saying, what I was basically saying is that it's a big statement for say for a guy that I follow since I first heard music, basically, really heard music with the White Album. So... Following him since 1977, the first two songs on here may be close to the worst <laughs> songs he's ever done. And I think Mumbo is just is just terrible because I don't even think it's a song. And I mean that because I'm being sincere. I actually think it was like roll the tape. And yeah, what was the first one where he said, uh, keep it going, Tony, to the engineer? Yeah, keep it going. And I think he just had an idea and they kind of jammed. It's more like a jam with kind of trying to get yeah, lyrics. Yeah, it has some neat guitar parts. In and there, he kind of like heard it and said, yeah, okay, let's put that on. I, I kind of like it in a way. Probably regretted it later. But at the time <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is not bad. It kind of has a groove to it. And it does, but it really goes nowhere. And I don't. I actually think it might have been a warm-up tune because that's what it sounds like like warming up until you get ready to really hit the tunes. And it's just unfortunate because you don't get warm-up tunes when you're an ex-Beatle and you're making a solo album. Everything has got to be pretty on course. And then it starts off with even, then it leads into, sorry, a song that even Paul McCartney said he was ashamed that he put on the record, which was Bip Bop. Which is a, a thing I do all the time. Bip bop. Uh, <laughs> uh, he really again didn't have words and thought that that would be cute. And then uh, about twenty years later, he said, "Yeah, that's probably the only song that I will admit that probably shouldn't have gone on a record." <laughs> but you know what? After that, everything is pretty. If it, it's at least interesting, if yeah. not really good. And you got Love is Strange, which is a, a a great cover tune to do. And he does it reggae, which, trust me, in late 1971, not yeah, a lot of people nice. have even heard the word reggae, let alone heard reggae music. So I really admire that. I thought it was really catchy and really went on a little bit too long. Five minutes for a nice little reggae ditty is... That's the thing, yeah, I thought the, Too all, long. all the ex-Beatles were guilty of. Yes, exactly. A little bit of excess. They had free reign, and it kind of went to their heads as solo I ones. hear, you know, a part repeating, I expect things to be building on it. They didn't do as much building. They just counted on that part to be uh, brilliant in itself. And... Did you have anything to say about the first three songs? <clears throat> I, I, I'm doing every song because there's only eight on the album, and... And so... Yeah, I, I like them instrumentally. Um, uh, like I say, some of the guitar playing caught my ear. And uh, the keyboard playing without the you know stretching was uh, good and appropriate. And, uh, yeah. So we we end side one with the song I really liked, and I've really liked it ever since I, I heard it on the radio before I bought the album. I heard it on FM radio, and which was Wildlife. And no, Paul Paul does something that it's got a nice keyboard intro. I really like from Linda on Wildlife. 
And yeah, it goes on for like seven minutes. And Paul does something on his first four albums that he never did or rarely did in the Beatles. And he never did after those first four. He never did from Band on the Run until now, which is on his first four albums, he oversang. <laughs> oh, okay. And he over emoted. And when you over emote, uh, wildlife is a perfect example of him kind of screeching. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, the, 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 the shouting Paul McCartney. Yes. The uh... shouting when, like when he <laughs> shouts in like a long, tall salad, that's so great. And when he shouts in like, Oh, darling, it's, it's all contained. It's all contained. It's, it's kind of, but here, and he does this for some reason, he does this, did this for like the first three years and then he abandoned it. I think he kind of listened to it and said, Oh my God, that's not, that's not the way I want to be represented. So I love the song wildlife. I just, it, 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 it's just, it's a, it's a very mesmerizing song, but yeah, he oversings it. It's very loose. You know, there's, 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 there's detrimental qualities to every song almost on here, but there's pluses to every, to every song after the first two also. And so, very interesting song, Wildlife, and very interesting that he made it almost seven minutes long. I, his voice was just really enjoyable to listen to, and that he, uh... he sounds very exuberant, doesn't he? Like he's very <laughs> like, man, I really like this. I really like that this could be the only take we're doing, and let's let's, go. <laughs> let's get it this yeah. time, and uh, this time is it. Yeah, I really like that attitude. Uh, I, it starts off side two with some people never know, which again I really like. Goes on for almost well for six and a half minutes. Again, didn't seem to have an end and didn't stretch things because not really organized and not really finished. But still, my God, a guy who's probably not in his prime at that time is still writing songs that are unbelievably catchy. And he comes up with this great guitar lick, which begins the album on acoustic guitar. And then, oh, I, I just, I just marvel at that. How sometimes it sounds like he's just coming up with something at the moment, and yet it's yeah. something that I would try ten years to come up with. It's like know? he couldn't stop his hands; they were just going to do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really like that. You so, lucky bastard. Just, just, <laughs> just like that. And I know a lot. The next song, I know a lot of people. You know. Because Linda sings it, I am your singer, and it's a very yeah. That was the one that uh, lyrically, I uh... lyrically it's fluffy, yeah. and but I thought it, I thought it was a nice reprieve. I thought it was cute. It's not it's not going to make anybody's top ten list, but it's it's but it, it's, it's it nice on the album. Placement on the album. It's a yeah. nice placement exactly on the album. I actually find uh, kind of like a perfect. Perfect uh, sequence on the album to put that song in. It's cute, but I don't think it's overly cute. You know, as far as the singing, she doesn't sing very well, but I kind of like that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It's kind of an innocence. Uh... Yeah. We go to the most polished song on the album, which is Tomorrow, which is hit single written all over, but there were no singles released from this album, strangely enough. I just don't think that. I think he cut his losses, basically. You know what I mean, Rob? Where you know what the album's not doing well. It's getting savage. It's not selling. I I won't else. even waste putting a single out. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But tomorrow is definitely. Oh my God! This is the one that as soon as you hear it, you go, "That's a single." That's he wrote single. yesterday, and I write tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what about I today? <laughs> um, why not today? How about next week? Then the most interesting song, and my favorite song on the record, which is Dear Friend, which is a song to John Lennon, and it's a, a kind of a, a peace treaty to John saying, you know, if we make this animosity go any longer, we can't go back. Uh, so uh, let's not cross over that borderline where you can't cross back over that yeah. borderline. Very interesting song, great orchestration, great release and tension on the song where it, some it'll build up with the orchestra and the and the subtle band and then it'll go back down to the piano and it happens a couple of times. Great arrangement, great thought that some of the most of the other songs don't have. And I think it's because 
this was a very personal song meant for John that he actually took his time, made a more Beatles like song instead of more of a, uh, one take, uh, a one song. take jam. Song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, today dear friend is actually, uh, has gotten its due. It's taken almost 50 years. Seriously. It's, it's getting its due like in the last year or so. And as a very important track in Beatles history, and like I said, it only took 50 years. <laughs> I, I I knew this was an important song the first time I heard it in the early 80s. I said, this this is an amazing song. How come nobody talks about this song? Because it's on an album that nobody gets to hear. <laughs> bingo, bango. Yeah. And it's a different age now because now there's, now there's streaming and social media and things get out quicker. And all of a sudden, hey, that song on that, I just heard on the, when I was streaming that album while I was doing the you dishes. You gotta hear this one. Yeah, you Because you don't have to one. hear the whole album. You just have to hear the one song. Exactly. And uh, so now that is being picked up and being put being put on a lot of people's playlists. It's not an upbeat song, but it's a song that uh, are being put on people's playlists for like Beatles fans. Everybody's a Beatles fan, <laughs> but you know, as being like, oh, this is an important song that I'm going to put on my solo Beatles Spotify list or whatever, and. Um, so, with that all being said, of, of my review, anyways, of all the eight songs, um, yeah, a lot of deficiencies, but I really, I really like this album. It's hard for me, even though many critics back in the early 70s would disagree, it's hard not to like this album because there's, it's, there's, like you were saying about the singing, like he's so, he's just enjoying it so much. Yeah. The playing, you can tell they're just enjoying playing. Yes, there's so many faults. It's scattershot. It's rough. The songs aren't worked out. Blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. It's still <laughs> an enjoyable album. I give it a solid three stars. I'm... And, and I, I, it's an album that I always seem to listen to from time to time. You know there are albums that are you just think are really great, but you only listen to them? Like once every like six years, but for, and there's some albums that don't like only get three stars, like Wildlife, but you play all the time because they're such an enjoy to listen to. Yeah, this yeah this was an enjoyable listen. This was one that I uh, did look forward to listening to the next day. <clears throat> I had only one uh, real negative um, uh, comment on it when I heard it. I said the recording quality sounds like something we'd do in the garage, and that. Uh, that may be on purpose, Rob. The parts were not, uh, you know, when we record something, uh, we learned uh, over the course of decades, and it took us decades to learn this. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, we're not exaggerating. Go back and listen to it <laughs> and fix the stuff that's wrong, that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And that's a step that they didn't do on this album. They just, uh, it's very uh, raw in that sense. But, but everything I do, else I, I found enjoyable. I, I'm not disagreeing. In fact, I agree with you. The only thing is that I just want to point out to people because you're 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 right. Is that uh, it's probably in the in the effort to make a Bob Dylan type take one in, in, instantaneous record that was done. I I'm, I have a feeling that was done on purpose. Now the that stuff, doesn't that doesn't stuff, mean you have to like it. I'm just saying that the sounds I think were it was balanced as well as the engineers could do it. It just uh... Mm -hmm. It was quick. It yeah, was, well, you uh, can get you can get right from the beginning where he goes, "Are you are, are you running? Is the tape running, Tony?" Like, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, if you don't have the if you don't have everything set, that's too bad because we're playing. <laughs> yes, we're doing it, and yeah. uh, that's what you got to work with. That's kind of like how we had to learn too. But we would, you know, uh, we're not an ex Beatle who just played for just was just out of the Beatles after playing for eight years and then playing for four years as a bar band before that that's why i think it was on purpose but it does sound it does sound it's very more uh, raw more raw, more raw. Yeah. it does sound very and even amateurish if you want to if you think that it was done on purpose which i don't think but yeah, it does sound it's like a, the, 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 that actually clashes with the uh everything else on the album which yeah. sounds really uh professional and good like uh the playing is just fantastic playing is fantastic for people the plus singing these are people really that didn't even get time to rehearse, basically. They just went right in the studio. You don't even know <laughs> what the other person is capable of. You don't. You have no chemistry with them, and yet they did a very good job under the circumstances. 
They became better, obviously, because Wings became one of the biggest bands of the 70s. But it's amazing how you can get a whole bunch of great players in your band. Like we did, the, of course, again, we picked a band at Christmas time that we thought was our dream band, which was our Christmas wish band. That doesn't mean getting yeah, four incredible I, musicians is going to make a great band because no, they have, have to have a chemistry together. I remember when, when Roger Waters left uh, the Pink Floyd and he did his first solo album, he had some uh, incredible names on that. And uh, they were all really good, but... Uh, they didn't have the, the kind of chemistry that Pink Floyd had had from playing together for 15 years. Exactly. Knowing each other. That's exactly the point. And uh, the, he kind of just lucked out because they didn't have great chemistry together, but the playing was still very, very good enough to release an yeah. album, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I tell you, as I want to reemphasize that previous point, I really like that Paul McCartney um, uh, put together a band as opposed to what the other Beatles did. Where they got uh, a whole bunch of really good session guys. Like uh, there was a huge uh, hodgepodge of a uh, mix of different people doing different stuff, coming in and playing a one track or three tracks. This sounded more uh, cohesive, more like a band. Yes. Than any of the other Beatles, and uh, that's uh, the, I, I like Paul McCartney and Wings uh, through the seventies. They, uh, they, I'd rather hear a band than. Uh, I do too. One you know guy. what? I like to hear a band, and I like, I like that. There's there's not too much of a democratic process in this, but to be an ex-Beatle and you can do anything you want to actually say, how about you sing this song or how about you guys write a couple Try songs for yourself? Yeah, and I think that is such a I don't know if it's a noble thing, but it's just it's just he knew that it's not a band. Yeah, if there's uh, one guy pulling the strings. If there's one guy. Who's perceived to pull the strings? Like, listen, then they're just a backup band, which I don't want them to be. I just yeah. don't want them to be a backup band. So, hey, you guys write some songs. If you need help, I'll help out probably, and and I won't even take credit, but just just write it. Yeah, you I'll know, contribute what I can. And, and I wrote this song, and how about you sing it? And he did that a lot for Wings uh, while they were together. He really wanted it to be. Uh, a band band, not yeah. just Paul McCartney and Wings, which he had to call it because you got a lot of pressure from the record distributors and the record shops who say, I can't sell an album called Wings because they don't know it's your album. <laughs> you know, and so you if idiots. It, so you can tell you idiots. You what can, the hell do you think Paul McCartney's made up to? But you can tell from the beginning he want like he called the album, as I said at the beginning of the show, Wings Wildlife. He wanted the band to be called Wings so that it was perceived as a band. He got pressured even on the next album, yeah. on Red Rose Speedway, to call the album, to call the band Paul McCartney and Wings. Hey, not his idea, but if you look at it from a commercial point of view, okay. But I don't want them to be seen as Paul McCartney and his backup band Wings. You know, it makes me And I think he did a good I know from a from it a me furious that anyone would put pressure on Paul McCartney to do anything artistically like shut up from a from a record company standpoint it pisses me off <laughs> but um i think that people i think everybody understands that wings was not like everybody even kids nowadays who are just they always seem to understand that wings was not just a backup band for paul mccartney yeah. they he he the made that very, he, he was they were a band for those eight years that they were together. Yeah. And uh, that's what I've always liked about Paul McCartney is that he could have went solo from 1970 till today. And, uh, but he didn't. He, he, even right at the beginning, he said, man, it'd be cool to have a band again. You know, I know I was only in a band two years ago, but how about if I get that good feeling that I had at the beginning of the Beatles instead of the end? And you it's know, more fun to go on tour and do stuff with the same people. Cause yeah, you'd rather travel through time with the, with people you love than uh, he's uh, a great constantly guy. interchanging I, 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 bunch of. I just uh, think he's an amazing, not only musician, but I think he's. I just I just think that he's got he of course like any human being he's made mistakes. But I just I look up to him as as a human being. I don't know if I could handle not only having that kind of fame, but I don't know if I could handle having that kind of talent. And people <laughs> think that that's a joke. You have that much talent and try to keep your ego at a pretty good level. He keeps his ego 
as probably as good as a guy who has that much talent can do. You know, try and do that. Try and have everybody say you're a genius and you, you're one of the greatest bass players ever and you're one of the greatest songwriters <laughs> I'd, I'd ever. I'd be the opposite. And you got that uh, right. <laughs> I would too. And you're one of the best piano players ever. Oh, and by the way, he plays a pretty good guitar. Oh, and by the way, he can even play not too bad drums. <laughs> like, holy smokes, you know where I would be? I would be in Gary land <laughs> ruling over my kingdom. <laughs> Eating your fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I just need a I just need a, a rating from you. I give it three stars. I like this one. Yeah, we This was an enjoyable listen. It uh, wasn't great, but it was a uh, it was one that uh, I'd look forward to listening to again. Yeah. Uh I think we agree pretty much verbatim on this one, even about the little uh specifics. Yeah, and I just want to mention, uh, as much as I uh, made that uh, recording quality uh, the comment, uh, some of the engineers on this album were, uh, there were guys who kind of knew what they were doing. They so. did their best. Yes. <laughs> they did their best with a guy who just wanted to let go. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we sign off, we, we have to, like we always promise, List our all-time worst Beatles solo album of the 70s. Okay. Ba, 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 ba. I got mine written down on this piece of paper. So, <laughs> Rob didn't write anything. So, I'm going to give mine, and then Rob's going to, or did you want to give yours first? Uh, I'm going to give mine first. Okay. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, I'm going to bet $100 million that, you know which that one? me and Rob are not going to pick George Harrison's Dark Horse or Wings Wildlife. <laughs> Other no. than that, I don't know what he's going to pick. Dark Horse, actually, um, uh, after I listened to Ringo, I went back and listened to Dark Horse again. So that's his, uh, not that one, but... Uh, no, I, that's what I meant. We're yeah, not going to pick yeah. those two albums. So out of out of the four Beatles solo albums, Ringo's Ringo the Fourth and John Lennon's Sometime <laughs> in New York City, which one do you think is the worst Beatles solo album of the 70s? The one I'm not going to listen to again is John Lennon. Wow. I am I, not wow. going to listen to that one again. Musically, uh, it's a bitter album. It was really good. Like uh, All the pieces were in place, but just that uh, that anger drove me away, and I won't be going back. Ringo, at least when I listen to him, it's Ringo. Hey, 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 hey. Hi, Hi, Ringo. Ringo. Hey, Rich, come inside. Give me here, man. Give me a kiss. There. Didn't need no lyrics for Ringo Starr album. I understood everything he was singing. You know what? I agree with you. But, but, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Because Ringo's album is worse. Barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barely. But music does not measure up to uh, John Lennon. But but I agree with you wholeheartedly in that I would rather listen to Ringo's uh, worse album than John Sometime in New York City, which was so angry it made me angry, <laughs> and it was so utterly incompetent from a man who is not at all incompetent that it it made me angry like it made me angry at stupid lyrics at stupid music at stupid writing at stupid production whereas Ringo I didn't get really mad at it I just <laughs> said you know what it, wrong-headed decisions made made either by Ringo or for Ringo by the people involved but I'm sorry. You know, I actually came here You're gonna say saying Ringo. that Ringo, Ringo the Fourth was the worst solo album, and it still might be. But I actually have to say that because of the the, the bitter bitterness of of John Lennon sometime in New York City, and the utter seemingly lacking. Uh, of any, for this one album, any knowledge of songwriting or anything from one of the greatest songwriters in the history of music uh, is inexcusable. So yes, the worst album by far now, I'm going to say by far now, is Sometime in New York City from the from the Beatles' 1970s. I'm going to say this is the worst Beatle album, solo Beatle album of all time. 
I also wonder if it if it weren't so. It's I mean John's bread and butter is uh, presenting uncomfortable truths in music, but this was just it was a, a, a sledgehammer to the face. It was. <laughs> That's what the much. album should have been called. A sledgehammer. To I'm going to give you a fucking sledgehammer <laughs> right to the face. <laughs> if he had called it that, maybe it might have changed my point of view. <laughs> It might have changed my point of view because I wouldn't have bought it, and then I wouldn't hate it. Um, I really enjoyed this. It took a long time to get this series done because we've had a hellish kind of August and July. Uh. <laughs> but um, you know we're not done. So even though we have finished our look at the worst Beatles solo albums of the 70s, we are not finished with the Beatles yet. Next week... We will officially close out this series with one more Beatle-related album to spotlight. And I'm also going to tell you that next week's episode is going to be a special episode because we're going to dedicate the whole episode. All our, the, the segments I have are also going to be about the Beatles. It's going to be a, a Beatles hour of fun and virility and uh Maybe Rob getting naked for some reason. Maybe right. drink too much. Woo-hoo. Why do you drink so much? Um, I don't want to see that. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, we got one more album to do. It has nothing to do with worst Beatles solo albums. I'll tell you that much. It's but but just it is, an album. It's just it's just an album. It's just now, me and Rob recorded as the Beatles. We talked and you <laughs> said, "Hey, don't treat us as anything special." We put we put uh, we put kind of like a small B in front of it, and uh, we recorded it as the Beatles. And uh, we think it's smashing. <laughs> <laughs> so you guess which Beatles 70s album it is. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week to find out what that special Beatles album is. It's a really special show. It's going to feel almost like tomorrow for us. <laughs> so until then, uh, take care and stay safe. Good night. Just later on